Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm researcher and fray and rune, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm stand-in story expert and soul in a jar, Joshua Unruh. And we're here today to talk about Angel, Season 4, Episodes 11 and 12, Soulless and Calvary, both of which were watchers. I can't believe we didn't crush you people years ago. So let's raise the stakes. In Soulless, the team tries to get information from Angelus about the Beast, while Angelus hits each of them with gross emotional manipulation and taunts. Cordelia convinces Angelus to cooperate, and he tells them that the Beast had asked Angelus to kill the Svea priestesses who were about to banish the Beast. Angelus refused, and the Beast was banished for a while. Wes, Cordy, and Connor track down the priestess's descendant, but they're too late. The Beast slaughtered her and her whole family before the Shaman removed Angel's soul. There's nothing more Angelus can tell them, so they decide to re-ensoul Angel. But when Wes opens the safe, they find that the jar holding Angel's soul is gone. Angel's soul has been stolen, the sun is still dark, and vampires are taking over LA. Solus aired on February 5th, 2003. It was directed by Sean Astin and written by Elizabeth Kraft and Sarah Fang. And before we dive into today's discussion, I want to thank our chipperish co-host, Joshua Unruh, for guesting again on Still Dead and filling in for Lonnie today. It's more than my pleasure. I hope that it remains the case for you and your (laughs) listeners, as this was a bit of a rough ride, friends. (laughs) Well, I feel really bad because Angel is not your favorite show ever, and... This is one of the worst episodes of the whole run. So I'm like, hey, Josh, this thing you don't like in this episode where it's terrible, you want to come talk to me about it? And the answer is yes, but it can't just be an hour of shit talk. So, you know, although it's going to be, there's going to be a pretty strong vein of shit talk. And it's worth saying that I don't hate Angel I just don't like it. And the main reason that I don't like it is because massive squandered potential. Mm -hmm. Like it does not realize the potential that it was born with maybe ever. I mean, I agree there are some high points, but they don't really match the lows. (laughs) And anyway, we'll get into it. But (laughs) Yes. And we also thought it would be fun. Some of you asked in Discord for us to do another spoiler section at the end of the episode. And since Josh hasn't watched every episode leading up till now and may have questions, uh, we'll see if we've got some stuff for spoilers. And if we do, we'll talk about that at the very, very end. So you can tune in for that or you can ignore it if you don't want to be spoiled. So with that, Josh, you're familiar with our perfect happiness scale, which runs from zero at stake this to six at lost your soul. Where were you with Solus? Dead zero. <laughs> it's terrible. It's aggressively terrible. Now, look, I just said I'm not going to turn this into an, end- into an endless angel bash, but oh my God, this episode is bad. And let me tell you, here's, here's a moment for some, uh, for some backstory. This season, this set of episodes, not these Mm -hmm. two specifically, but kind of this set of episodes was, I think, the first time that I quit Angel when it was on its original air schedule. Ah. Um, And it would have been enough. I would have quit it forever at that point, except that my wife has a thing for David Boreanaz and we have (laughs) only owned one television most of our marriage. So I kind of got trapped every now and then and 
tried to come back. But man, <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. It's so bad. It's so it bad. It is the laziest, most prurient, most eighth grade Hannibal Lecter. And this is when everyone in this hotel has done some horrible shit that Angel could really twist the knife on. But instead, he just bags on gun for his ability to give Fred orgasms. What? Then yeah. shames Fred for having orgasms. What? And then talks about <laughs> Cordelia's rack. I mean, honestly, zero. Fuck this shit. It's not good. It's not good. No, it's really bad. Kelly, how about yourself? So I, I really love that you gave it a zero. I gave it a one. Um, and it feels weird to say that I usually like seeing Angelus. But Evil Angel is usually compelling. And David Boreanaz usually brings a lot to that role. But this rendition of Angelus is so so bad. It's like he got stuck in a dark corner with nothing to read but Hustler for a long time. And that's the only <laughs> jokes he can make now. And it's it's just awful. But the the plan is dumb. The cage is dumb. Angelus going along with Cordelia's deal is dumb. The soul in a jar is dumb. And 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 all Angelus brought to this was like really bad conversation. Like re- like what? Like Really? He's just going to, like, talk him to death? I don't know. It was awful. I hate this episode so much. And I gave it a one just because there were a couple of moments and I am a generous grader. (laughs) (laughs) Well, also, I have zero journalistic integrity for this. Like, I just come in and just flop my opinions everywhere. You and Lonnie have to be careful handing out your zeros and your sixes, whereas I'm just, like, indiscriminate. Yeah. I don't care. It's bad. It's a zero. (laughs) Just saying. No, I like it. I like it. Um, and and you know it's a bad episode when I have something good to say about Connor. Because uh, I actually hated him less than the rest of the stuff that was going on in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's so we, not good, but no. he's less terrible than everything else. Exactly. And that is such a low bar. But at the beginning, you know, he's fighting all those vamps. And right before he throws that stake, he's like, welcome to L.A., tourist and it was kind of funny given like guns comment last episode about you know there's going to be a big rise in undead tourism and i like that connor without fighting like i like that he's trying to do some good even when all this horrible shit is going on um and i like how well, he what the hell up- else was he gonna do yeah it, yeah i mean i don't know i guess he could <laughs> stay home and brood i don't know but he's trying I like that he kind of stands up to Angelus. Like, Angelus mm-hmm. doesn't get under his skin quite as much as everybody else. Um, when he walks down and Angelus says, is that my shirt? And Connor says, not anymore. Like, I kind of like it. Um, and I like that we see the impact that finding that dead family has on Connor. Because we've been yeah. real short on Connor vulnerability. You know, but he's yeah. he's really horrified. And I think in that moment, it's easy to forget that he's mostly still a kid and that hits him really hard. Well, and he's seen kind of endless death and destruction, but it's always death and destruction of demons. You know, there's not typically been a human cost for him, right. you right. know, in a hell dimension where there's two humans and it's and he's one of them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other people, other people as collateral damage. Yeah, that's a new experience for him. Because really, even Team Angel tends to kind of swoop in and either prevent that kind of wholesale slaughter or show up way after it's over. Right. You know? 
And then Angelus got one good line. <laughs> one out of this whole yeah. episode that is basically Angelus talking. <laughs> when he asked Wes, what's the deal with Angel and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Like, that was funny. I do not remember why that's funny. So okay. I believe you. <laughs> so the last episode, when they took Angel's soul, the shaman, like, worked this spell on him so they, that he would live his perfect fantasy while he was unconscious. And in that perfect fantasy, he would have a moment of perfect happiness. And his fantasy was basically Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark starring Angel. Okay. So Angelus has the memory of that fantasy. So it was kind of funny to me that he was like, what is the deal with Angel and... The- <laughs> This storyline, like, yeah, it was, I, th- I thought it was That's funny. a real inexplicable moment of perfect happiness, if I'm honest. I don't understand exactly why that would be it for Angel. Uh, you know, let's pretend that it's unplumbed depths and not just shitty writing. <laughs> well, I think unplumbed depths would be, like, it. it was really about having the team back together, having everybody work together, having them being inspired by him having him be a good leader. Like mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. worthy of pulling out the sword. So you've got like Indiana Jones and King Arthur going on. And of course, then they ruined it by having the actual moment of perfect happiness be really bad sex with Cordelia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, I kind of thought Angelus's take on that was funny. Um, but that was literally all I got for the happiness section. Did you have any, <laughs> anything else that you liked? No, no, no. it's not. <laughs> I mean, it would have been, in any given episode of Angel, it probably would be difficult, but not impossible for me to find something good, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, there's a line here or a concept or something, but this episode really doesn't have anything. Like, it's, I mean, you and Lonnie have kind of talked about how it's mixed into this larger, terrible storyline that we're not even to the worst part of yet. See the spoiler section you know yeah and and this really feels like that the nader episode of the nader storyline not because it's the worst thing that could happen but because it's actually boring like it's squandered opportunity angela we'll talk more about this in a minute but like angelus turning the knife on people should be amazing and it yeah. just isn't no. you know it should be uh, amazing and that's the whole episode that's right. literally the 44 straight minutes of that and it's and none of it really lands no it's it's just really bad it's it because it should have been like you said it should have been better than hannibal i mean this should have been angelus in his shining best and yet it's you know bad sex jokes and insults it's just like oh god really like they even forgot how to write angelus it's just yeah bad it's just bad so let's start staking. I'll hand the first stake to you since you're the guest. <laughs> okay. I am very confused by the angel and jealous duality in this episode. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it's good for the show and whatever themes it usually thinks it's about. And I don't think it's consistent with canon to treat Angel and Angelus as two different people or like kind of soap opera, multiple personality disorder. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's a good choice. It's bad. Again, like if you care at all about the canon, it's very bad because it's literally never how they've talked about this before. 
And yeah. it's just, like I say, it's not good. We'll talk again. You really wanted me to kind of like uh, uh, bring some noir talk yeah. to this. So we'll talk about how it's bad for the themes in a minute. But yeah, I don't get it. How do you feel about that? So it it's difficult because when you think about Angel, like at the core of what he's fighting for, you know, the the redemption that he's after, you have two different entities in the same body, right? You have Angel with a soul and you have the demon that lives there when, when the soul is gone, right? But they share memories and some personality traits and... It's like the same person with and without a soul. But if if Angel has to bear the weight and responsibility and grief and horror and punishment for what Angelus has done, then they've never made the clear-cut argument that they're two completely different people. And if it was just that simple, yeah, then he wouldn't be so tortured. He wouldn't be responsible. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's, it's really... It's really, uh, you know, it's it's just weird. Like, you see some of Angel's insight here, like things that he's known about his team that he hasn't said to them. Um, yeah, yes. You know, and then you see Angelus twisting that. But, and it's not Only like... Not much. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's It's like if you take all of the good out of somebody and you're left with what's left... But there's more to Angelus than just Angel. You know, he has things that Angel doesn't have. So it's just, I don't, it's, it's, the show never clears it up, I don't think. Um, and then and it, gets, it muddies it more than it ever has here. Yeah. I think. Like oh, it's yeah. been muddy, but here they just really kick all this dust up and it's to serve a plot point that is very dumb. You know, the idea that Angelus would have memories that Angel doesn't. Why? Like, Angel's entire existence is predicated on the fact that he remembers all the awful stuff he did as Angelus. It makes, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, it's just bad. And they try to give us an explanation for that in the next episode, but I'm going to tear that apart too because it doesn't doesn't help. It doesn't help. (laughs) It Um, does not fix this problem. No. And, And I just have to stake it because the whole thing is dumb. So, like... They put, you know, first of all, just taking Angel's soul away is stupid. It's just stupid. It's just dumb. When you have the potential to let loose a psychopath, the answer to that question is always no. I mean, this is not a difficult decision to make. You don't let the crazy person out of the cage. You don't do it. And for Wesley... I disagree uh with that lightly, especially in terms of this show. But again, that will come under the heading of the noirness of Angel. All right, cool. But... But I get you, but I also, I have some pushback. We'll okay, come back to it. cool. That'll be fun. Um, but then Wesley's telling the team, he's like, okay, Angelus is going to try to confuse you and play on your emotions so you'll drop your guard. And I'm like, that is the understatement of the freaking <laughs> century. Like, come on. Even people with, with like serious training, people who would do this in a crime setting are not so emotionally walled up that they're not going to come away from this you know, hurt or damaged. And I'm like, okay, why didn't Angel talk to each of them and help them prepare? Like, do they even have any idea how to get information out of Angelus? It's not like he's going to play along. And I don't know that it's really possible to prepare for that kind of battle anyway, unless maybe you're Black Widow. But 
But like they they have no plan. I mean, they're just going to put him in a cage and ask him questions. Like it, it's the it's literally dumbest thing. It's so dumb. And and even Angelus is like, you have no leverage. What are you going to do? Kill me? And they're like, no, we're going to put your soul back. I'm like, but he knows the information that you need. You can't get if you put his soul back. Like the whole thing is stupid. And the cage yeah, there's design no is good stupid. cop. There's no bad cop. Right. There's no carrot. There's no stick. There's just conversation. And it's you yeah. Know, like, again, this is so obviously supposed to be Silence of the Lambs influenced. And the whole point there was that Clarice was giving Hannibal information about herself that she should not have been sharing, but she was doing it for the greater good. Like that was the, that was the thing. None of that gets baked into this, you know, right. like there is no plan. There is no quid pro quo. It's just wildly emotionally damaging and deeply physically dangerous for nothing. Right. It's so dumb. And they built this cage and they didn't think about the fact that they were going to have to deliver blood. So of course, Angelus gets his hands on Fred. I mean, it's just so dumb. It's so dumb. I can't handle the dumb. And then we get the worst timing ever because Wes decides that would be a great moment to kiss Fred and like let this love triangle come to a boil. So then Wes and Gunn are fighting and Gunn accidentally hits Fred. And I guess Angel can hear all this in the basement or Angelus can hear all this in the basement. And then the plan gets even dumber because Cordelia's like, hey, if you tell us what we want to know, you can have me. And Angelus is like, okay, cool. Like, what the fuck? There's no way Angelus yeah. would ever go along with that anyway. And I, it, what? Like, it, it's so dumb. It's so dumb that I can't even articulate my reaction to the dumb. Well, I have a slight articulation that may help or may not, since it's very specific to my hobbies. Okay. But I'll tell you, like, I'll say it this way. This is the nicest thing I can say about this plan. If Angelus is the only way that you can get information about the beast, okay, then this plan is fine as far as it goes, but it doesn't go far enough. And for me, it's like none of the people working on this show played Dungeons and Dragons with a really mean dungeon master, and it shows. <laughs> Only we know these are a bunch of nerds, and they all have polyhedral dice, and we know this because they're nerds. <laughs> this is this is one hundred percent the whole like uh, uh, you've built the cage, you've done the thing. He's in the monster is in the cage, and now you talk to him, and the DM says the monster's hungry, and you're like, we take him some blood because obviously we figured out a way to take him blood safely, and the DM says, no, you didn't, because you didn't say you did, you know, right? Like, I'm not saying that's the best way to run a game, but we've all been there at some point, those of us who sit down to play these games, and that's what it looks like. It's look, it looks like. Nobody who works on this show has ever actually had to make a plan where somebody was actively trying to thwart it. It's sad. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point. Because now I'm wondering, how would a game master have made this better? That's curious. Yeah, I like it. Before we move on, I have like another thing that I want to stake. Okay. Which I am calling subtext is for artsy bitches. It's all text. <laughs> I love this heading. <laughs> Go for it. At the point... That Angelus is saying to Connor, there ought to be a play. Uh-huh. I grew enraged because vague Oedipus Rex references are one thing, but making the subtext into actual text really doesn't work because Connor has nothing in common with Oedipus thematically. Like, sure, they both 
had sex with their mothers, uh -huh. except in Connor's case, it's metaphorical. And it does not mean the same thing that it did for Oedipus's story. It's very bad. Like, don't make your subtext text at all, right, first. Mm -hmm. But secondly, make sure that they actually go together before you do that. <laughs> Fair point. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah. 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 Yeah, and it's just gross. I, yeah, the whole thing is just, its just, God, Josh, it's just bad. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> right. That's a fair point. You are seriously trying to drop literature jokes on the kid that grew up in a hell, hell dimension. dimension. Right? That seems good. Let's do, here's a 6,000-year-old play that you'll definitely understand my references to. Fuck this. Right, Ugh, right, this. right. I, and not, I mean, and what you were saying, too, it doesn't mean the same thing. Connor has no memory of Cordelia as his mother. Like, the problem there is with Cordelia, not Connor, but it, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And Oedipus didn't remember his biological mother either, but that story is about the inevitability of your fate, right. which is very interesting and sometimes a thing that Angel is about, but I don't think it's what it's about in this episode, so whatever. We can talk about that in spoilers. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. God, it is kind of what this is about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that doesn't make it better no. because it's about it in such wildly different things, and it will be several episodes before it's obvious exactly how. See the spoiler section. It I'll leave it there before I say anything terrible. <laughs> Okay, so talk to me about Noir. Okay, so now I'm going to assume, I'm just, please feel free, Kelly, to sort of be the voice of the audience if I say anything that you feel like I need to expound on, but I'm going to kind of skip the baseline of what Noir is, you know, and just really get to how, because that could be a whole podcast unto itself, yeah. obviously, or se series thereof. But the last time I was on, I really talked a lot about the Noir nature of Angel, and that's when I thought, the show really worked was mm -hmm. when they leaned hard into that and they gave up on that very early, except they still kind of want to mess with it. And that's bad. So they have lost the thread of Noir on this show. And to be fair, it was a thread that was going to be hard to keep track of in the first place. So Noir storytelling lives in the gray areas, right? It lives in a middle space between good and evil and honestly, it's usually not even good and evil. The best noir usually grows out of a place that is just acceptable and unacceptable, you know, mm -hmm. where we're living in a liminal space in time when that's changing. You know, like the whole concept is originated with hard-boiled detective novels in the 30s. 30s was a very tumultuous time in America, right. you know. Uh, you had a resurgence of that with a more violent anti-communist streak in the 50s. But it was still this, this like, what's okay? Like, is it okay if I do awful things to communists? They're barely people. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You get societal unrest noir during the Vietnam quagmired 1970s. You know, like that liminal space when we're trying to decide what's acceptable and what's not is when noir as a piece of literature, like as a genre flourishes mm -hmm. and the problem is that like angel and buffy don't trade in acceptable and unacceptable or even good and evil they trade in capital g good and capital e evil yeah you know uh i'll quote a fantastic superhero novel by elliot s Magan. there's right and wrong in the universe and the distinction is not hard to make right that is the usual thesis at least of buffy that kind of partly carried over into angel 
But unfortunately, Angel wants to have it both ways. There's capital G good, there's capital E evil, but you can dabble in evil to serve the good. Oh, that's interesting. And that's bad, right? I mean, Angel himself, being a vampire with a soul, is an intrinsically evil being cursed with something intrinsically good. Which, that's not exactly true either because they're never clear about souls, but go with me, you know, mm -hmm. for the moment. <laughs> and... So he himself has the ability to try and live in that noir space by his very existence, right? Yeah. Like he lives in that tension yeah. himself. Even if the rest of the world is not in that tension because there's capital G good and capital E evil, he stands at the crux. One thing that's happened the last couple seasons is that the showrunners and writers, they just couldn't manage it. Like they dragged all the human beings into this same middle space and that mucks up the whole thing thematically, right? Because at the time, at the point that you have human beings who think that they can, like Angel is forced by his existence to use the evil to do good. He has no other choice. That's the only way he can redeem himself. Mm -hmm. But at the point that you have human beings murdering people for their own, you know, personal wishes, keeping people in closets for months, <laughs> you know, making various and sundry deals with the devil, mm -hmm. the whole thing breaks down. Yeah. So, so tell me, you're less sort of steeped in noir than me, but... What do you think about those observations? Yeah, I think it may be easier for me not being steeped in noir because I've never really thought about it in the terms that you just said, that if there is good and evil and then you have someone choosing between those things instead of being forced between those things the way that Angel is, mm -hmm. then it does really muck up the works. Um which is interesting because we see, you know, like occasionally we see people from Wolfram and Hart do things that are for the good. And we see folks on the Angels team do things that are for the bad. But the whole, and if the whole point of the show was the power of the choices you make, which sometimes to me it feels like it is. Yeah, sometimes, definitely. You know, but then they articulate the thesis when nothing matters. All that matters is what you do. Yeah, that is a strong noir thesis, and I really like it if that's what this show is going to do. And eventually, spoiler redacted, but right now, spoiler redacted, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, well, yeah, I'll have to come back. I'm, I apologize. I edged right up to it again because I can't help it. Like, it's part of this show not knowing what it yeah, wants to I know, do. I know. It's so hard to talk about it. It is. It's really hard. So we'll have some interesting discussions for spoilers. Um, but yeah, other than wanting to stake the whole entire episode, like literally all of it, I only came away with one research question. And that's how you know an episode is bad. <laughs> I got one. That's right. One. That's right. <laughs> and there is only one thing that I'm desperate to know more about beyond this text. Right? Yeah, that's bad. One. It's it's real. I mean, I can do better than that usually on like a grocery list. I got one research question here. <laughs> so my question is this. Would Lorne do a better job dealing with Angelus? Like he has emotional superpowers. He has insight that everyone else doesn't have. But he doesn't go down and talk to Angelus. Yeah, that is a very interesting question because you do feel like even if you and I know he's watching Angel or Angelus on the screen mm -hmm. while people talk to them. But again, I get the talking doesn't work like he has to sing. Right. You know, right. Um, 
So, so on one hand, I'm like, yeah, Lorne, if anything, should just go down there and be the good cop because he's super empathetic. But on the other hand, I don't think his emotional superpowers really come into play because they can't make Angel sing. Or Angelus sings. Yeah, but Angelus sings. Like, he, I mean, he sings. No, he does choose to. Yeah. yeah which doesn't really... is obviously him messing with Lorne. Right. That's how he messes with Lorne. See, that's the kind of, like, relatively subtle Hannibal Lecter stuff that I can kind of backfill. Yeah. That he was messing with Lorne. That's why he was singing all the time. Right. But, it, he, but he's just sending Lorne those visions of, you know, all the evil things that he wants to do. Right. And then Lauren's powers are unclear. Sometimes he can get a vision and have an answer, and sometimes he can't, and we don't know when he can and when right. he can't. And, yeah, I was just like, okay, that's all I got, really. That's all I got. So, <laughs> you want to put us out of our misery and brood on this episode? Solus was a watcher because it offered an explanation, such as it was, of Angelus's connection to the beast. And because you need to know that Angel's soul is missing, I guess. <laughs> but... Watcher doesn't mean good, and this episode was truly terrible. If ever there was an episode where you should read the Wikipedia synopsis instead of actually watching it, this is it. Cosigned. Okay, so let's move on to an episode that ain't great, but is a little better. <laughs> the dead cat bounce of quality <laughs> right here. In Calvary, Wes, Cordy, and Connor go back to the shaman who says that Angel's soul is still in the jar, but he doesn't know where the jar is. If the jar is destroyed, Angel's soul could be restored or destroyed, but there's nothing they can do until they find it. Lila returns to Wolfram and Hart, hoping that Angelus can destroy the beast. Gunn breaks up with Fred, and Angelus tells Fred about Wesley and Lila. Lila has a book from another dimension with information about the beast, all references to the beast in this dimension have been conveniently destroyed. Cordelia gets a vision, we guess, about a dark spell that can restore Angel's soul, and the team collects seven talismans and completes the black magic ritual. The spell appears to work. Angel sings for Lorne, who says his soul is back. But don't let the established world building and story rules fool you because somehow Lorne was fooled and Angelus is now back and free. Wesley, Gunn, Connor, Lorne, and Fred hunt for him on the vamp-filled streets only to realize that he's doubled back to the hotel. Angelus shoots Cordy with a crossbow and chases after Lila, who fights back and gets away from him, only to be grabbed and then killed by Cordelia. Cordelia says she let Angelus out so he could kill everyone and nothing makes any sense and Lila is dead and I hate it all. Cavalry aired, much to our collective chagrin, on February 12th, 2003. It was directed by Bill L. Norton and written, such as it was, by Jeffrey Bell, Stephen S. DeKnight, and Mir Smith. I apologize for all that shade, but not a lot. No, and it's so bad because these are great writers. These are great yeah, writers. Yeah, they should know better. Yes. Yeah. These are names I recognize, and I am not eyes deep in angel jazz. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe because of the mess of the plot that they had to work with. Like, if I took away, if I take away the bad stuff, like the things that are already in motion here that they could not have changed. Yeah. Then yeah. the actual writing of this episode is pretty good. But in the larger context of the absolute fucking disaster that's going on here i'm just pissed <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah if you can just look at the character bits and take away the plot stuff it's better right it's definitely better right yeah right so where did you come down on our ph scale for this one it's a one okay I'm, and really i'm just 
I didn't want to give two zeros. <laughs> well, you, you picked so the right I, one for the zero. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And and there is one shining moment here that I don't think is executed very well, but I do like it conceptually, mm-hmm. which is I really like Angelus as experienced supervillain. Okay. Like that he is the, we'll talk more about this in a minute, but that he is the one who goes, you bunch of goody goody morons don't understand how villains work. It's like this. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because no one else could do that. Yeah. 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 I like that too. And I hadn't thought about it that way until I read your notes. So I'm glad you're here to talk about it. So I gave this a two um, because Angelus feels more like Angelus here. Yes. And I always give points for Lila because I love her. But then I had to take <laughs> away points because God damn it, they sacrificed Lila in this terrible storyline and I will never get over it. And so there you go. yes many things and characters are sacrificed on the pyre of season four it's rough to watch and lila is one of the bigger losses like i have kind of been along the ride with you and lonnie as thinking that maybe they give her a bunch of plot armor and don't always justify it as well as they ought to but Mm -hmm. it's the same reason the joker always comes back like we like that villain you know um and to have her kind of exit things for the least useful purposes is rough. It yeah, is rough. It's just so sad. But tell me about Angelus thinking like a villain, because that's really interesting. Okay. So this is the thing I really did like about this episode is that it takes Angelus to realize that the beast is at best a mini boss and probably more like a chief henchman or lieutenant to an actual boss. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's painfully and blindingly obvious to the rest of us watching that he's not actually in charge, you know, because there's a whole bunch of uh, Xanatos Gambit bullshit that's going on that a guy with rocks on his head is not coming up with. Like, just look at him. Just look at him. Right. You know, like here, I'll put this in. A, I'll put this in, for, for the people who have overlap with uh, with comic book things. I'll put this uh, in, in perspective. Uh, the Beast is the wrecker. Not Doctor Doom. You know what I'm saying? We need some. We need a thinker up in here, and and it's Angelus that sees that. You know, mm-hmm. and I really like that because Angelus is a villain, like capital V villain. He does big, giant, bad things. He also does little, tiny, bad things that are absolutely like sort of made big by how egregious and overlined they are. Mm-hmm. You know, he is just like villain all the way down. And this is a place where that dual nature between Angel and Angelus really would work for me because Angel has all of that potential also, but he tries really hard not to feed that beast. You know what I mean? Yeah. So once Angel's out of the equation, Angelus is the one who sits forward and goes, hey, good guys, you're dumb. Somebody else is pulling these strings. And I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I like that line a lot when he said, morons, the rock doesn't have minions. It is a minion. Yeah, just look at it. It's a minion. But then I started wondering, why is he sharing that information? Like, did the did the observation of stupidity just hit the level where he couldn't help himself and he had to just (laughs) say it? Because I can understand Uh, that. I like that. I actually really like that. Where Angelus is just like, I can't handle you fucking idiots anymore. He's got a boss. God, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of what I was thinking too. But yeah, I do, and I and I like your take on it for the fact that Angelus has practice like intentional practice thinking this way and angel tries to turn it off yeah yeah or at least tries to sort of hitch it to the plow which is which he doesn't do very well and and i can i can read that as character stuff too like he doesn't want to put his toe too close to the line you know Mm -hmm. so like 
I'm not even going to use my prior experience as a supervillain to outthink supervillains. Right. You know? Right. Um, and when we do see him doing that, it's in a lot of the, you know, sort of best what you guys would describe as Batman moments. Like when he just charges into Wolfram and Hart and kicks a dude out the window to show him who's boss. Like that's a supervillain big dick energy move. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But um, you're right because Angel chose to put Angelus in a cage and didn't think about how to defeat him. Yeah. He didn't even try yeah. to, you know, he didn't try to outsmart Angelus. He didn't try to outmaneuver him. He didn't think through, how are we going to get this information out of him? You know, they're threatening him with hunger and a soul, but it, yeah, you're right. Like, it, it's like he intentionally turned off that part of his thinking. And that makes and I like kind that. of more sense. I like that as a character choice. Like, yeah. I want to be good. And so even though this is a set of evil tools that I could use for good i choose not to i mm -hmm. close the door on those tools yeah yeah no i like that a lot i think that and that kind of <clears throat> that kind of helps me with some of the dumb cage stuff but mostly the cage was still dumb the uh, cage is still egregiously stupid yeah. don't excuse it too far <laughs> <laughs> well and and in moments of perfect happiness i do have to talk about lila because i love her so much like she is one of my <laughs> absolute favorite characters of all time because she is always consistently written. And even here, when she dies badly for very stupid reasons, she's still in perfect Lila character. You know, yes, she's been yeah. surviving in the sewer. She doesn't have her Jimmy Choo's or her makeup or her hair, but she's still Lila. And she owns it. You know, she tells Wesley, I just want my life back. I want all my pretty things. I'm selfish that way. Like, I'm not here to save the world. I want my apartment back bitches right you know why did she sign the contract in the first place she wanted that stuff that's right you know? yeah but then i love her kind of out researching wesley because i've always loved that between the two of them um when she has that book and she says it's not a local copy i got it on the trans-dimensional black market and first of all i'm sorry but it just turns me on and secondly i god i just want this woman's library but like <laughs> I love that she has found answers on her own that all of them have not been able to find, even working as a team, you know, and that she does eventually yeah. come around to trust Wesley with that information because she knows he still cares about her. Um, but I, this I just is also like really good writing as far as not making your heroes look like idiots. Yes. Because Lila is not better at research than Wesley. Right. But she does, she's very good, and she has access to information he could not possibly get, right? Like, that's yep. the edge. We have established that she's very good at this, but not as good as him. But she has a missing piece to the puzzle that they didn't even realize was missing. Yeah. That is some excellent, like, everybody gets to be awesome in their own way without looking stupid because the plot needs them to look stupid. I'm looking at you soulless. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I just, and I love the Wesley-Lila dynamic, and I really like the Lorne-Lila dynamic here, you know, that he's, because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, Lorne is a creature of peace and tolerance, but he's like, what in the hell is suck you bitch doing in here? <laughs> like, yeah. He tells her, I will smack you down, and I'm like, hell Listen, yes, Listen, I Lorne. love everybody, I do not love you. Exactly. That's something. It's so good, and and I don't. I think Cordelia's little, I'd like to punch your face in, is really weak. 
But when Lila comes back with, are you trying to turn me on? I'm like, yes, that's Lila. Yes. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. You know, and I, and I like her. You know, she's always been such a realist and so unsentimental. And when Wesley asks her what she's doing there, she's like, well, it's Thursday. So everyone who should be in the weekly briefing is, you know, dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't... I'm not here because I have a plethora of options. Come on. I know. I know. It's so good. And then I got one last little research quote out of her because Lila running statistics always makes me incredibly happy. And when (laughs) when she was talking about divine intervention, she told Cordelia, trust me, you'd have a better chance of winning the lottery six times in a row. I had the numbers run. Good. That's how a woman like Lila would have decided whether or not to believe in divine intervention. Like she would have run the number. She would have looked at her uh, chances. It's also, it's also super on point with the fact that whatever Cordy got was definitively not divine intervention. Right. You know, like, yeah, everybody is ignoring Lila because Lila's evil. But Lila knows what's up because Lila is evil. Right. And smart. And it's really good. Um, and then I, I did have a little bit with Angelus that I think they did better this time. So I liked it more. Yeah. Um, like when he confronts Gunn about Professor Lydell and you could tell here, Angel didn't know whether Fred or Gunn had killed him, but he knew one of them had done it or they had done it together, you know? And, and Angelus is like, come on, Angel's not even that stupid. Like (laughs) it was... (laughs) Yeah, even Angel's got enough of my villain brain to go, one of them two or both of them murdered that dude. Right, yeah. right. And he opens this door to like the best kind of doubt he could plant when he stopped, you know, just being like the nasty pervert in the cage and told them all that Angelus gave up his soul because he gave up on them. And like, yeah. there is just enough truth in that to destroy that team. And that is what Angelus is good at. So I was like, yes, that yeah. is that is the conversation that Angelus would be having with them. Yeah, I agree. That was really strong. Like that is a proper Angelus knife twist mm-hmm. because that is actually a thing that is not true at all. But there has been just enough not talking to one another, just enough mistrust, you know, yep. over the course of years that they're all going to go, oh, damn, I really need to think about that. Right. You know. Right. That's the good stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just enough truth in it because on some level, it does feel like Angel giving up. Like, and you can make. Right. I mean, him choosing to let the monster out is out of character. Yeah. 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 So that's about all the happy I got. You want to, you want to take the stake? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's stake the deus ex diabolica, shall we? (laughs) Yes, please. How the actual fuck did everyone not immediately think that Cordy's vision from the PTB using black magic was, how did they not know it was a red flag sewn together by dozens of other red flags? Yeah. I get that they ignored Lila because Lila is a suspect source of information, but it's so convenient you know, and then everybody's like, but this is bad guy stuff. Well, we're still doing it, you know. Right. Woof. Yeah. Yeah. Because Cordy got a vision that she hasn't gotten this whole time. No vision, no information right. Why now? about the beast, no information about the priestesses, no information about the connection, no information about taking Angelus's soul. 
I mean, have the powers that be been on vacation for all of season four? I don't know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because they're, <laughs> they're conveniently absent whenever the plot demands that the powers that be not be that helpful. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. It, see our spoiler section. It's so bad. <laughs> and even Angelus knows it's a bad idea. Like. <laughs> that's Right. Yeah. I mean, this is another thing. Again, I guess that they could discount what Angela says, but they literally brought him there to be their evil advisor. So whatever. But when he's going, this is very convenient. And also this is very evil. Are you sure you want to do it right after I told you that Rockhead has a boss right? who might be doing a thing? Yeah. 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 And, and, and then, okay, and we'll talk about this more in the spoiler section, but Given, all right, we know that this ends with Cordelia killing Lila. So we know mm -hmm. that Cordelia is, you know, evil or acting evil or possessed or something. Something's going on with Cordelia. And so when we have this moment when she's talking Angelus into coming out of the cage. And she's like, leave him and what you did inside. You're not Angelus. Like, who the fuck is she acting for exactly? Like, it, it's just a deliberate audience lie. Right? Unless I'm just yeah. completely missing something. I can, if I wanted to go to the effort, I could probably backfill it, you know? But again, that's going to be for the spoiler section. And it's me doing a bunch of work that I shouldn't have to do anyway. Yeah. So, it was just, it's you know. so dumb. And then, you know, I'm not going to put Hal and Angela's full Lorne in my research question because it's not worthy of a research question because it's it's the writer's line and it's just stupid. But... I mean, I mean, I guess it's the black magic, right? Like, I guess it put I mean, a whammy on Lorne. I don't know. Uh, here's the deal: this, w without with uh, being as non-spoilery as possible, this ritual is clearly not actually there to ensoul Angel. So whatever it is doing is fooling people into thinking that he has a soul. Right. Like that's right. So so there is a reason to explain why Lorne is fooled. But at this stage, it mostly just looks like we're being lied to, and it's yeah. not. It's and then, not good. And, like, Cordy wants Angelus to think that she thinks he's Angel when she's yes. the one that let him out. Like, it, it makes no sense. And then, I'm sorry, but when Angel walks up to Fred and says, can I get a hug? They all should have known that that was not Angel. There's no... That, come on. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. It never would a have happened. A red flag sewn together by dozens yes. of smaller red flags. <laughs> yes, it's just so bad. Um, and then I have a tiny steak, but this annoyed me, even in the context of all the bad of this episode. But when Lila shows up, you know, Gunn asks her a question, Cordelia asks her a question, Fred asks her a question, and Wesley answers the questions for her with her standing right there. <laughs> Lila can answer her own damn questions. What the hell? Wesplaining. Wesplaining. <laughs> yes. He was very I'm surprised much. This Wesley. isn't a trap we've fallen into before, honestly. <laughs> I don't think we've ever said that word before. <laughs> yes, he was Westplaining, and I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it. Okay. I also got one research question out of this because things that normally would have been research questions are just plot contrivance nonsense. Um, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Too much of the time, definitely. Okay. Yeah. But when Lila was talking to Angelus, she said the beast killed. Everybody at Wolfram and Hart. Field ops, liaisons, people out sick that day. Why is he picking on us? We're the bad guys. And then Angelus comes back with, apparently not bad enough. And so I was just wondering, like, 
how did you read that? Or did you have a take on that? Is it just more of the plot nonsense? Or do you think there was something deeper there? Like, would it have been possible for Wolfram and Hart actually not to be bad enough? Or was Angel just being, I mean, Angelus just being a smartass? I I think in that moment, it's just Angelus being a smartass. Mm-hmm. I think that actually Wolfram and Hart is just a different enough faction of evil. Yeah. That they had to go, you know? Yeah. Like, I hate to be, I hate to show up and be too on brand for myself, you know, here. But this is like Marvel stuff. When Hydra and Leviathan fight, (laughs) you know, it's not because one of them suddenly became the good guys. It's because they're different bad guys, you know? Okay. That makes sense. And I think that's what's going on there. And also because maybe they kind of had an idea of where they wanted to wind up and needed to clear some decks Mm -hmm. for next season. But again, very spoilery and I will shut up. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can talk about that in just a second. So before we get to spoilers, I will brood. Calvary is a watcher because Angelus is out of his cage. Cordelia is evil and Lila is dead. But killing one of the best characters of all time in service of one of the worst plots of all time is unforgivable and I will never not be mad about this. That's smart. That's smart. Now, I'm pretty sure I already know the answer for this, even without looking at the notes. But, hey, Kelly, is anything making you still thirsty this week? (laughs) No, I'm too pissed off to be thirsty. (laughs) I mean, I'd like to honor Lonnie by by being thirsty for Dark Wesley. But first of all, that completely doesn't do it for me, like (laughs) on a variety of levels. Like even if I swung that way, I would still be like. I agree with Angelus. That's a nerd that lifted weights. You know, like, I'm not into you. <laughs> well, normally all of that would have gone to Lila, but I'm mourning. I'm in mourning. I'm very sad. <laughs> be thirsty for Lila. Like, be, oh, you will remain permanently thirsty for Lila because you're going to have to pour some out for her. Yes. Yes, exactly. It makes me very sad. <laughs> but do you have a favorite part? I do. And it was Lila still being Lila, despite losing everything. And Lila buying books on the pandimensional black market. And I just love it when she's watching this team and they're so chaotic and crazy. And she's like, I can't believe we didn't crush you people years ago. Like, it's so <laughs> Lila. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And she has a point. Yeah. You know, like... This is this is an operation that has been held together with spit and duct tape and hope for a long time. Yeah. So what about you? Did you have any favorite part? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I really do like I really do like Angelus sort of sitting up and being like supervillain consultant, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But that's a that's really about all I've got. It's I just don't I just don't have the connection. Like I like Lila, you know, I mm-hmm. get you totally, but I just don't kind of have that connection there. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. No. And and I'd actually like to hear from Lonnie on this in a way because I even with her thirstiness for Dark Wesley, he's pretty terrible. Like he's just pretty not great in these episodes. So it's like I you know, I just don't have anybody to hitch my wagon to at this point. <laughs> well, you you've given me a new appreciation for some of the Angelus Angel stuff because now I'm thinking about it like Sherlock and Moriarty and how Right. Sherlock will think like Moriarty. Like you you know, you have the consultant detective and the consultant criminal and Yeah. It's so opposite compelling. Numbers. Yes. They're opposite numbers. Yes. Yeah. But you're right that Angel and Angelus are different. And I'm gonna be thinking about that for a while interesting opposite number villains are my favorite kinds of villain and something that angel can do that that 
not a lot of other you know pieces of media can do or, or do is to put the hero and his opposite number villain in the same body yeah we don't do that a lot and and that's a really interesting playground you know to to go into unfortunately it's a little squandered here yeah it is but it but it's interesting to think about so see even though i made you guest with very little prep and short notice and a terrible, <laughs> terrible episode. You still brought depth and smart things to think about because you are brilliant. And thank you very much for being here today. Uh, it's my pleasure. One, one does what one can. <laughs> to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Joshua Unruh and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones. And you can find Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and use the hashtag still dead. For more in-depth discussion, you should support Shipperish Media. For the tune of a dollar a month or more, you can gain access to a live chat in Discord where you can hang out with Kelly and myself, as well as Lonnie, and also a bunch of really smart people who are definitely going to have thoughts about these episodes and who still know people who like ripples. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review. That's one of the most effective ways to show support for your favorite podcast. Or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends because word of mouth is a powerful thing. And to say thanks to our rogue demon hunters who take the time to write reviews, we turn to the Prophecy Scrolls. And for today's special episode, I am handing the scrolls over to Josh. Oh, for Lolo a go-go. You have been called to give up your soul for extremely dubious plot reasons and can only have it returned to you by even more dubious plot reasons that are also black magic, but hey, what could go wrong? May this change in your moral compass steer you through any Oedipal complexes that should appear in your path and help you circumnavigate a showrunner who may be angry at you for being pregnant. <laughs> we will be back next time with two more Watchers from Season 4, Episodes 13 and 14, Salvage and Release. And though things seem hopeless right now, stick around because fate. Until then, if you're trying to make sense of the storyline, you have a better chance of winning the lottery six times in a row. I had the numbers run. Damn, that's savage and perfect. <laughs> that's so damn true. We got to go out on a lila quote. All right, Josh, you want to talk spoilers? Yeah, let's talk spoilers. So... I want to talk about kind of a big one. I'm not sure exactly when we find this out, mm -hmm. but but there is a this is like a big picture spoiler that ties back to my why noir could have worked, but it doesn't really work okay. thing. Somewhere along the line, it becomes clear, like out loud, spoken by one of the powers, I think, or or a direct spokesman of the powers, mm -hmm. that this we've been going along thinking the powers that be are capital G good, even though they're usually assholes, which should have been a clue, and that the senior partners are their equal and opposite evil counterparts, mm -hmm. right? And at a certain point, we discover that that's not the case. Like that at the beginning of eternity, the powers and the partners flipped a coin, and at the end of the day, the the powers that be didn't they're not intrinsically good. They're just shirts, and the senior partners are skins in the game of the universe. And I think that that is fantastic for a noir show. 
right? Because that really goes back to that theme of if if nothing matters, if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do, uh-huh. right? Yep. But this is a show that inherited some stuff from Buffy, right? So we came in thinking that capital G good is a real thing and capital E evil is a real thing. And I'm going to be honest with you, there was some rough stuff going on on Buffy that I didn't enjoy very much when this when I was also watching Angel. Mm-hmm. And when I found out that Here's some spoilers for Buffy, too, I guess. You know, she basically died for nothing. Right. Like, she thought she was dying for capital G good, and then she goes to heaven and she get dra- gets dragged back, and there's no, you know what yep. I mean? There's, like, no reason for any of that. That discovery kind of wrecked Angel for me because they'd been trying to live in this middle space, and it really ruined Buffy for me a lot. A lot. Yeah. So that was a lot. I apologize. Yeah. There's a lot of talking. No, no, no. It's good. <laughs> and, and, it, and it is... It's interesting because I'm trying to remember. I tried not to watch too far ahead, even though I've seen the whole thing several times, sure. so that I don't accidentally spoil. And I can't remember if that conversation came from Jasmine or Lyria. And I think it was Lyria. Yeah, I I honestly, I can't recall because it's been a long time since I revisited this yeah. series. But I remember that moment so much because it really like... Yeah reverberated through my headcanon for both of these shows in a very bad way. Like, I think it's great storytelling for Angel, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that it's consistent with the larger world building that they've done across two shows. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And And it it does. Yeah. It's not It does really end kind of in a hopeless fight. You know, that they're, you know, and we have, you know, very important characters die and some for very bad reasons, um, you know, or almost seemingly meaningless reasons. And one of the things that bothers me most, like if I think about Angel as a whole, the whole show, I mean, obviously season four drives me insane. But the the <laughs> one thing that I cannot get past, like I, I seriously am going to have to unpack this when we get to season five, is when Fred dies so Lyria can take over her body. They say that Fred's soul is burned up in the process. Like her soul is actually destroyed. Yeah. And that to me seems to go against everything that we have been led to believe in up until that point. Like then what is even the point of anything? Like if a soul can't even survive, if an innocent soul can be destroyed like that for no reason, then there's surely, how can there be good in the world? You know, and if there is no good in the world, then why does what we do matter at all? Like it's, yeah. it's now, you know, again, they address that, right? Like they do address that and they're and the addressing of that is, like I say, potentially amazing for this show. Mm-hmm. But this show exists in tandem with other fictions that don't work that way or don't seem to work that way. Yeah. You know, um, or if they do work that way. Discovering that way late in the game really changes how you see things if you go back and revisit it. You know what I mean? Like, there's a million examples of this. Yeah. So I'm just going to try not to get into them. But yeah, yeah. You know, you're all smart people who are listening. So <laughs> well, and one of the the spoilers for this episode in particular that I wanted to think about was why Angelus has memories of the beast that Angel doesn't have. So the explanation that we're offered here is that all memories or information about the beast were destroyed from this dimension so that's why he's not in any of the books that's why angel can't remember him 
But Angelus's mind wasn't present when that happened, so therefore he retained the memories. My, yeah, that's actively stupid. Right, it's so dumb. And my problem with that is one of the like pain points, one of the inner conflict points with Angel is that Angelus is always there. He's always under the surface. So like he remembers everything. Right? That's why how, he's tortured. How was his mind not present? Like it makes no sense. It yeah it for exactly this episode or I guess one before and maybe one after they want to talk about Angelus as a separate entity, but that's not that's not true. Right. That's not true. Like he was just buried under an unconscious or something. But no, he's always like Angel is always fighting him. So it makes no sense. That he would not have, you know, any memory of this. Um, and for people that are looking for like a super short spoiler explanation of what the hell is going on here, I'll sum it up quickly. Um, basically, Cordelia is possessed by a being who will become known as Jasmine, who was one of the powers that be and kind of fell away from the group and wants to quote unquote save the world by basically making everyone worship her and mind control and human sacrifice, but whatever. Um, and so she it's super garbage. Yeah, it's super garbage. So she's manipulating Cordelia into manipulating the beast. You know, is Cordelia even there at this point? No, no, she's just yeah, a vessel. It's just Jasmine operating through Cordelia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ugh. so that, you know, so that Cordelia can become the vehicle for Jasmine's birth so that she can have her own body and yada, 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 yada. Um, so that, you know, that beast's boss is Cordelia and, you know, she's... Slash Jasmine. Slash Jasmine, right. Cord Jasmine and Jazdelia. <laughs> Jasmodelia. Jazdelia. And, um, and Cordelia stabbed Lila in the neck the way she did to make it look like Angel bit her, um, which will come into play in the next few episodes. So those are just, you know, and it's, it's like, how do you, I don't know. I, I just don't understand what the hell happened with the writers to, to just start this kind of nonsense and lying to the audience. But we have bitched about that a lot, but were there, are well, there any other like spoilery things that came to mind that you wanted to talk about? Well, I mean, it just, just that like, now we know that Cordelia's vision was was actively supposed to create destruction, like yeah. which which again explains why Angel's able to or Angelus is able to hide his lack of soul and stuff like that because the magic's doing it. But it still doesn't explain why everybody in the room wasn't like this. Seems really convenient, right? Let's keep him in when this cage for a little ever while. Ever been this fucking helpful, right? Ever, never. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe give it an, I mean, you, if you have to wait 20 minutes between eating lunch and going swimming, it seems like maybe waiting an hour after a re is a pretty good practice. <laughs> like, well, even before that, even before that, why didn't anyone other than Lila say, I don't think we should do this with black magic, Yeah. right? And now if your point is that literally every member of Team Angel is compromised in some way, good. That's very noir, and it's a thing you've been working toward. But let's, again, actually have somebody reckon with the fact that you cannot serve good with evil's tools. Right. And, you know, as much as I dislike him, the perfect character for making that argument would have been Connor. Connor hates magic. And even he just goes along like, you need a soul eater skull? Cool. I'll go fight and get a soul eater skull. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm, we're just going to do dark magic today because 
it's Thursday. Like, what the hell? I feel like if they had ever written Connor with a moral center, I would agree with you. But otherwise, uh, he is a fist thrown in a crowd. Yeah, good so. point. But they've done dark magic on this show before, and it did not end well. And then, right. you know. There's a price. Right. There's a price. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there, but I, so I guess the spell that Cordelia actually cast was to fool Lorne. Because he was yeah, the one. Yeah, to be a light show that would Lorne. fool Lorne. Okay. Yeah. So that was really the mojo that she was working. And how convenient is it that the, a spell exists to convince an empath demon that somebody has a soul? I mean, like, how often do you need that spell? I don't know okay. about that. <laughs> I am, I am actually going to. I'm actually going to say something that I had said to all of the Chipperous hosts in Slack before I knew I was going to be talking about these episodes <laughs> after your last two episodes. And this is a nod to Noelle LaCroix of Still Pretty fame that she has started using the phrase, do you want to hear the story or not? Uh -huh. Like when you run into problems with the thing where you're like, does this really work? Is that really in character? And at a certain point, the question is, do you want to hear the story or not? Mm -hmm. Right. And I had said to you all in Slack that my answer at this point in Angel was, no, I don't actually. <laughs> and and I left. Like, I actually did, you know, when it was airing. I was like, I don't. I don't actually want to know the story. Thank you. I'm going to go. And, and that's really, like, every piece of fiction does that to you on some level mm -hmm. when you're interacting with it, right? Like, um, somewhere I heard, uh, like, writer advice was, your story gets exactly one coincidence and it's the one that starts the story, ah, you know? Yeah. Right. Like, like so on some level you have to do that with every piece of fiction. Right. Angel season four is just hitting you in the face. Like, do you still buy it? Do you still buy it? Do you still buy it? Why are you hitting yourself? Do you still buy it? And my answer is no, you know, like I could actually sit here and fix most of this stuff or backfill it or do some headcanon, but it's like, why the fuck would I? They didn't care. Why should I? <laughs> well, see, that just makes me even happier that I conned you into coming and doing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Hopefully that'll be a little bit of spoilery stuff for people that wanted to talk spoilers. And if you want more, then we have a spoiler channel in Discord and you can come and share your ideas and theories. Because some of our folks that watch Angel are much better at this than I am, and they have brilliant ideas, and I want to hear them. So, Josh. Well, and in my case, they do actually want to hear the story, so they are going to put the work in that I'm just unprepared <laughs> to do. Hey, that's okay. Thanks for pitch hitting today, especially in such uh, unideal circumstances. Oh, my pleasure. Believe me. My pleasure.